Good morning, Big Blue Nation. This is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sack, and as always, I'm joined by Scott. Scott, how are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, it's midterms week, which kind of sucks. Just took one this morning, so it's been a bit of a stressful week, but overall, as, or, uh, it was good news that Oscar won SEC Player of the Year. We got a lot of awards for the Cats, so it was a good day. Yeah, absolutely. We um, don't have a game to review. We are the quickest game review podcast for Kentucky basketball, but we're just going to kind of give like a little season recap. Just give some of our overall just like feelings and maybe um, did we, did were our expectations matched? Did they fall short? Were they exceeded? Who are our players of the year? Some yearly awards, All-American lists, etc. Some stuff like that. Um, the first, there's a, there's a few things I actually want to shout out, um, before we get into this. First of all, the Lady Cats down in Nashville. Um, I was unfortunately part of the group of people that are probably just giving up on this team, thinking maybe we need some leadership change up top, starting with Kyra Elsie. Um, just the team, it looks like she lost the team and Ryan Howard might be the, probably is the greatest player to ever walk through that program. And we just were doing her a disservice. Um, they went four straight games down in Nashville the last three games, I'm pretty sure, were all upsets, um, including a, a top 10 team in Tennessee in the semis, and the number one team in the country in South Carolina. They win on, I think it was like a final five-second three-pointer to go ahead two. Um, did, did you get to watch that game or any of the games over the weekend? No, I was, I don't even remember where I was. I think I was door dashing, and I tried to get home because I saw on Twitter, like, Oh my god, there's a minute left. It's a close game. I like sped home and by the time I got into my parking lot, uh Jerry Edwards already hit the three pointer and I was like, damn it. But it was so awesome to see them win because just like you met, I was kind of a Kyrie not a Kyrie Kyra Elsie like hater, but I did think that there needed to be a change up top. But this team went through a lot in terms of injuries. I mean they had games where they only had like seven players, so it's not fair to put that on Cairo. But I'm just so happy to see like Ryan, um, you know Blair Green, all the older people on the team, they've been through a lot. So for them to win this was it was so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Second thing I want to shout out, um, Dance Blue. If you don't know what that is, that's a 24-hour dance marathon that the students at the University of Kentucky have to raise money for. Um, I forget exactly what which hospital it is, but for a children's hospital, raise money for oncology, cancer treatment, all of that stuff. They raised $1,430,497.39, just just short of $1.5 million for the kids. Um, again, that's a 24-hour dance marathon. So these kids, in the middle of their weekend, in midterm season, um, our students stayed up for 24 hours straight dancing. They weren't allowed to sit once to raise over $1.4 million for the kids. So huge shout out to them. Yeah, absolutely. I've never done Dance Blue. I've always wanted to do it, but um, I mean, one point, let's just call it 1.5 million. That is absolutely insane. So everyone that was a part of that, thank you so much. Um, it it shows how tight-knit of a community this, this school is, and that's why I love being a UK student. I think everyone here is really connected, 
and to see what they can do for kids who have cancer and kids that are sick is just really awesome. Speaking of cancer, Dickie V, his uh, scan came back. There's They found no cancer in his body, so Dickie V, you'll probably never listen to this, but I'm so happy that you are full or that you're healthy and that there was no count, uh, cancer found in your body. If you are listening to this, please come on our show. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, but all kind of good news to start the show. We got one more piece of good news before we can do some Kentucky basketball stuff. Um, I had to bring this up. Coach K and Duke lose at Cameron Indoor on Coach Osefsky's last game in Cameron Indoor in his career. Um, just hilarious to their rival, North Carolina. All the hype all year. The eight-hour pregame show, the two-hour postgame <laughs> show, just the, the three, four, however long the season is, what, five months of just, this is Coach K's last season. This is the the retirement tour. This is just his uh, last lap, you know, and to lose maybe, like, the most hyped-up game of the year for them, that's just absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of the funniest live television things I've ever <laughs> seen when he comes out after the game and he... Be quiet. Everyone be quiet. This is unacceptable. And he does his little squeaky-ass voice. And that was... I was literally dying. Like, just... I was cracking up so hard. Um, I mean, Coach K is a legend. And I don't mind all the love that he's got. But, oh my god, it was so funny. And shout-out to uh, UNC for A, beating them. And A, being ranked. Because it makes our win against them look, like, ten times better now. Yeah, so Duke who supposedly is one of the best home court advantages in the country, lost to North Carolina by 13. We beat North Carolina by, what, was it 28 or 29? Mm, I, remember, I think the, the Tennessee good. game was the 28-1. I mixed those two up. But we beat tennis, or North Carolina by 29 in a neutral court. And Tennessee, they've gotten so much better, too. So those two wins were kind of what, like, borderline top 25 wins when they happened? Yeah, they're you know? all right. Now they're both really good wins, especially considering the margin, so... Um, those are some shout outs to start the podcast one last one um, from our good friends over at Blue Chips Big Blue Nation now is your chance to own a piece of Kentucky basketball history Kentucky basketball has partnered with Blue Chips to be the official and exclusive home for Kentucky basketball NFTs all season long Blue Chips will be dropping unique digital collectibles of your favorite players and the most legendary coach in college basketball collect player cards snag limited edition collectibles of big moments Get access to exclusive events and win prizes. Join the Blue Chips Discord, the online community for diehard BBN fans to talk hoops and get closer than ever to the Cats. Don't miss out. Visit ukbluechips.io now and get your piece of Kentucky basketball history. So like I had previously mentioned before all those amazing shoutouts, um, just the University of Kentucky doing great things. But uh, this is just going to kind of be a season recap, kind of go through just how we felt about our season personally, and then going to some wards. Starting with just, what were your expectations for this Kentucky basketball team through the regular season? I mean, did you have like a certain number of losses in mind that you thought? Obviously, we went through some obstacles. So what was your just kind of, I guess, expectations for this team to this time? And where, where did what we did fall in those expectations? I compared um, this team coming in the year to the Malik Monk, Darren Fox year, just in terms of like, roster construction I felt like and kind of like our ceiling because that Malik Monk team was a lot better than what they finished obviously I think they were a top three team in the country um just like oh I think this Kentucky team is a top three in the country we've had some road bumps with injuries so I think I think they met 
slash surpass my expectations because I'm not going to count the loss to Auburn and LSU against them. So I did think they did exceed my expectations. I didn't predict uh, Oscar being this good. I didn't predict Severe. Well, I did actually think Severe would be this good. I was the number one Severe Wheeler stand over the offseason, and y'all laughed at me. But anyways, um, I think all in all as a team – as a, as a group, as a unit, they, they surpassed my expectations. It's kind of funny you bring up Oscar and Sabir. Um, there was probably a point in the offseason where I thought our starting or our starting lineup come March would be Ty Ty at the point. You Grady, would Bryce Hopkins at the four. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. But I, I would probably have had Ty Ty at the point, Mintz and Grady on the wing, um, either Bryce or Keon at the four. And then maybe even Damian Collins at the five with him and Oscar <laughs> rotating. Just or at least maybe Damian Collins sixth man. So you know, Oscar being the national player of the year would not have imagined that in the wildest dreams. Savir Wheeler, I thought because I, I remember last year, I mean we had Devin Askew, of course, but um I remember we brought in Davion Mintz to kind of like be like almost that um bridge guy, you know, like because you know freshmen struggle at first. Ty Ty Washington, you don't want like, we saw how he played against Duke, you know? He, he struggled a little bit. Freshmen have games like that. You don't want to go um, through a difficult schedule with a point guard that's unproven, you know? So I thought Xavier Wheeler's almost going to kind of be that bridge-the-gap guy and probably play more limited bench role, role-player minutes, you know, come second half of the season. But he was way better than I expected. In terms of overall record, um, I probably expected three or four regular season losses. Um, I, I expected... Duke, you know, not that I expect. I expect us to lose, but I, I wasn't surprised by the Duke loss. I also wasn't surprised by the Notre Dame loss, it being our first road game. Like, we historically struggle in those games. Calipari's first road game at, being at Kentucky. Um, not shocked by Arkansas. That's always a really difficult environment, and this is probably the best team they've had in a few years. Um, I am not shocked that we beat Kansas. I actually expected to come away with that one. I will count Auburn as a win because I mean I mean in my head you know when I think mm-hmm. about expectations because we were winning we were dominating that game until Titan went out and we were still winning until Saber went out as well yeah. so I don't blame them for that loss um, I still do count the LSU loss against us I mean because at least in the Auburn game we demonstrated that we were kicking Auburn's ass at no point in the LSU game whether Ty Ty was in the game or Saber was in the game for those first five minutes we didn't look like we were doing anything well so I still struggle to think, even if we did have those guys in, would we have made the plays to win down the stretch? You know, we still had an opportunity to win, and we lost it. So, who who knows? Um, so, in my head, we kind of had five losses. Um, so, it was a little, a few more losses than I expected, which is, I we lost more than I expected, but I still think our team is better than, than I expected, if that makes sense. Like, our team is performing at a higher level in March than I expected, despite a few more regular season losses. Right. Um, I didn't think they would be this good. I mean, roster construction, I mean, it was perfectly constructed. I mean, we have a pair of veteran fours that are perfect glue guys. We have the national player of the year at center, the best center in the country. We have a top five point guard in the country and the best point guard in the SEC. We have maybe the best freshman guard in the draft. You know, there's a lot of good bigs, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo... Um, Ivy's a good guard, but he's a sophomore. We have probably the best freshman guard who can take off at any moment now in Ty Ty Washington. 
Um, and Kellen Grady, I, I expect him to be a really well-rounded scorer. I did not expect him to be the best three-point shooter in the country. And Davion Mintz is doing everything that I expected him to do off the bench. So um, overall, I am really impressed with um, our roster um, and how we're going into March. And I, I don't think I could be, I don't think I would have predicted I would have felt this good going into March as I do right now. Um, kind of going into like that surprising like expectation, I mean, Obviously, Oscar. But outside of Oscar, was there anyone on this team that really surprised you that you did not expect them to play the way they're doing? Whether it just be they're playing a different way, or maybe they're playing better, they're not playing as good. It probably I'm. I want to say not really because I I expected Severe to be this good. I expected Ty Ty to be good. Keon, I expected this because I actually thought Keon would be more of a offensive option than like Oscar would end up being. But I was extremely wrong. Um, if I had to get like say one surprise it'd probably be Kellen because I mean I watched a lot of the Kellen film I didn't see him you know shooting as well as he did if you look at his career percentages he's like he's always been a decent shooter but not this where, it was like 37 percent yeah 37 36 and you know you look at him now and he's 41 42 43 and he's become one of the best shooters in the country I guess the biggest surprise in terms of maybe a disappointment was Dante Allen because I truly believe that Dante could have been a bench scorer. And I was kind of hyping it up to my friends when we were talking basketball. Like, friends that aren't Kentucky fans. I was like, well, we have, you know, Dante, who's a really good shooter when you need him to be. And that man is shooting, like, 17% from three this year. And it has not worked out. So I guess that was, like, the biggest surprise of the year for me. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's probably, in terms of not ex- performing to their expectations, probably one of the other freshmen, whether it's Bryce or Damian. Um, I don't know if both of them were going to be insane. I, I kind of was hoping both of them would be, but I expect that at least one of them to break out at this point. Um, neither of them really has. They've shown spurts. Damian Collins looked good in the Alabama game in some minutes, but then really hasn't done much since. Bryce Hopkins has looked good in the uh, was it the LSU game, yeah. but then started playing a little bit against Florida and had to get taken out because he like immediately turned the ball over, had a bad defensive possession, and then didn't really get to play. Back to making those fresh mistakes. Um, the good thing is they still have the whole month of March, the SEC tournament, and the uh, NCAA tournament to have an impact on this basketball team. So um, I'm not giving up hope on them. I mean, surprise, I kind of already said it earlier, Xavier Wheeler. Like I thought he would just kind of be at this point a role player, um, help bridging that gap for Ty Ty Washington to take over this team. But I mean, th- there's no one else I'd rather have run in my point guard in the SEC right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Colin Gillespie. I think he's a great point guard. Jay and Ivy, maybe more of a shooting guard, technically, but run some point. Um, I mean, I don't know. After that, I I kind of like Savir Wheeler better than anyone else. So he he definitely surprised me the most. Um, going going into um, I kind of brought up like some of the freshmen stepping up in the tournament. Is there anyone else that you think needs a set up in the tournament to step up in the tournament to have a huge march run? Uh, Dante Allen, if he plays. <laughs> I mean, like, I I could say Bryce, and that's just self-explanatory. I don't want to bore you guys. I think you guys know that. I know that. Matt knows that. Everyone in yep. your mother knows that. Dante, if we, if, look, if Dante Al can give us, like, five points off the bench, like, one three a game, or just, like, I guess his form last year, because he had, I know everyone thinks, like, the Mississippi State game or whatever, but, like, last year Dante was practically good for, like, a three a game. If you can give us that, just something, and not get absolutely cooked on defense, then we'll 
like we're set, we're golden. Uh, I think Davion, Davion's a very streaky player, so I, I would like to obviously limit the cold streaks and more of the hot streaks, which he can for sure do. But if we get those two things, more so Dante, uh, I think I think this team's really, really, really good for March. I mean, how much of a momentum swing is it when your 11th guy on your roster, your, your last guy on the bench, comes out and hits a three or two? Yeah. You know, that, that that's a huge momentum swinger. Um, we talked a little bit about the schedule a little bit this year. Um, throughout the season, even, we talked about a very... A very weak schedule that we've had, you know. Um, we, I mean, not in terms of necessarily our opponents. I feel like we had a lot of good opponents, but a lot of them were on the road or a neutral site. Um, at Wildcat's Tongue on Twitter asked us, what is your ideal non-conference schedule? Um, he would say he wants one in-state mid-major. I wonder if Louisville counts at that. Mm-hmm. Um, two home-and-homes against Power 5, a new series against an IU, a Purdue, Notre Dame, etc., um, so you get 13 games in your non-conference schedule. You, you probably got to assume you have your championship classic, CBS classic. That's going to stay in there. The Louisville stays in there. And the Big 12 Challenge obviously stays in there. So that leaves nine games, um, four solid opponents already in there. With those remaining nine games, what would you like to do ideally? Maybe like one home and home. But like I see, I've always been a defender of these games against shitty opponents. And I know... Fans don't like it, and to be honest, I don't like it. Like I, would, I contemplated not even going to like the Southern University game. I was like, yeah. it, but at the same time, those games get this team like teams that Calipari has. They're all you know new guys and everything. They get them to gel and they get them to play. I thought this year we did. We maybe played like one too many shitty opponents, which is kind of why we lost Notre Dame. However, you look at last year, we didn't. We had like one shitty game. And it was against Morehead State. We blew them out, and then the mm-hmm. rest of the the rest of the season, it was the rest of the non conference. It was Power Five, Power Five, Power Five, ranked team, ranked team, ranked team, and we went one and six. And I know that team wasn't that great, but I think that if you had like a normal team, maybe they go like four and two or three and three, because they're all still so new and they haven't played with each other. And then when, I, I'm ninety percent sure it would be on Twitter. People would be saying, "Oh well, look at this conference or this non conference schedule. So much like why are we losing? Cal sucks. Da da da." And that's not what you want. And I think having those games against those garbage opponents, they do help us in the wrong run. I'm not against a home-and-home home or a Purdue series or a, a Indiana series or something. I don't, I don't mind that at all. But those games against your Robert Morris's, your North Florida's, your Albany's, those are, those are key to help build a team. So you would add one more home-and-home home to, yeah, to that? So you would have probably five solid solid games, and then what would that leave you with? Eight? Eight. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take you one. What, what would be your ideal home and home? We'll start with that. If you had one that you could add to our schedule, what well, would Well, I know we got be? Michigan, right? Because that Michigan series is coming up. Mm-hmm. So do you want me to add another one on top of that? If, if you want. You, if, some, if you didn't want Michigan, who would you rather have? If I didn't want Michigan. And you could stick with Michigan. Like, I think about Ohio State. I think about North Carolina. Um, but we always play them in the CBS Sports Classic. Um, you know, we talked about Gonzaga. But I think, I think like, a Purdue would be good. It's close. Gotcha. Well, I, I, I do something very similar. Um, I would still keep the Champions Classic. 
I would keep the CBS Classic. I used to always be opposed to the CBS Classic just because yeah. I'm like, I'd rather have North Carolina as a home-and-home, home, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like those games were more fun growing up. Um, but I went to the CBS Classic this year in Vegas, and I got to meet um, Akshay and Arizona Terry out in Vegas, and my, my girlfriend's family lives in California, so that was a three-hour drive for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to the one when they hosted in Chicago, I want to say it was 20... It was December of 2018. That was, yeah. that was the year Hagen's had like eight steals in a game. Yeah. So like I, I remember that. Like that was huge in growing up. So I, I liked that BBN can be country like nationwide. You know, yeah. Um, different demographics could show up at different games. They have opportunities to go because I mean, if you live in the West Coast, that's really your one opportunity mm-hmm. a year to go. So and I really had a, I had a lot of fun there. So I get the season ticket holders' gripes against having those neutral site games, but. Um, I personally, I would, I would keep it in there. So Champions Classic neutral site, CBS Classic neutral site, Big Twelve Challenge. I would obviously that stays in there. That's a home and home. Um, Louisville that stays in there. That's a home and home. I would keep Michigan in there. That's a home and home. And whenever that ends up, I would replace it with another Big Ten team. Um, I would really like Illinois. <laughs> Wisconsin would be fun. I, I, Wisconsin would probably be my top option. Um, just kind of get some revenge from a couple years ago. And um, you brought it up, but I would want to add Gonzaga as well. So I would add one extra home-and-home home to you. So we that gives you four home-and-homes between Big 12, Louisville, Gonzaga, and Michigan, and then two neutral sites. So we have two neutral sites, two big home games, and two big road games that are non-conference every single year. I think that's really good. Um, that leaves seven cupcakes. That, that's a little bit less than we're used to, you know, kind of going from nine to seven of them. That that. That's a little bit bigger of a jump, um, but I, I think we can do it. I think next year our team is going to be stacked, and especially when you're adding a lot of these veterans to the portal, it's not the same, you know? Like, if your whole starting five is freshmen, maybe yeah, you need those, but if you have a Kellen Grady, you have a Savir Wheeler, you have an Oscar Sheeway, a Keon Brooks in your starting lineup, um, you don't you don't need seven, you know? Right. You, you or you don't need nine, maybe seven or eight. So I'll keep it at seven. One of those seven, I would like to see to be the HBCU series. I think that's pretty cool that mm-hmm. the, those um, HBCU schools get the opportunity to come into Rupp Arena, play at this level, get that national attention. Um, so I would keep that in. With the other six, I liked when we actually used to play Georgia Tech because we always got to see a zone. They always play zone. So it was nice that we got to see that before we saw like a team like in the tournament, throw it in for the first right. time, or North Carolina give it to us for the first time. So yeah. maybe a team that plays zone, but that would be my ideal schedule. Thank you for the question, Wildcats Tongue. But um, moving on, we're gonna go to some awards for the Kentucky basketball team. Um, starting off, we'll start off easy. Who is Kentucky's MVP of the season? Lance, no, uh, Oscar Sheway had seventeen point three points, fifteen point three rebounds. Career high in fair, uh, field goal percentage, shot 60%. He's the only player in college basketball, or I think major college basketball, to average 1.5 steals and 1.5 blocks. He's National Player of the Year. He's everyone's MVP. So I don't. It's if you don't think it's Oscar, you're not a Kentucky fan first and foremost. But it's easily Oscar Sheboy. Yeah, I mean, seven and a half win shares this year, a PR of 35.5. Um, there's really no discussion. Leads our team in scoring, rebounding, steals, and blocks, everything but assists, and field goal percentage. Um, that That's pretty self-explanatory. So, because there's no real discussion there, who would be your backup MVP? And I have two 
different cases. So whoever you don't pick, I, I'll help explain them. But who would be your second MVP for Kentucky? I'd have to go with Severe. Um, I think Severe just makes his team go. And Ty Ty... Tai is a very good point guard, but I think Severe just adds an element to this team that Tai Tai can't, which is speed. And every good Calipari team is fast. That's why last year they sucked, because Devin Askew is I'm faster than Devin Askew. Um, but Severe adds speed. He adds that transition game that I don't think Tai Tai really can. But <laughs> what's what's your backup MVP? Um, I, it was someone tied with Severe. Do you want to guess who it was? Kellen Grady. It was Kellen Grady, our leader in minutes. Our leader in three-pointer and three-pointer percentage. Um, our team is just so much different when he's on the court. And he's always on the court. You can tell because Cal never wants to take him out. Mm-hmm. In these big games, he plays 38, 39, 40 minutes. It's impossible to take him out because of what he does for our team. You know, um, Being the veteran, being the oldest guy on the team, um, having already played in the tournament, having gone through so many different scenarios in his career, just helps this team so much. And the thing, I was going back between Xavier and Callum, it was kind of tied, and I get what you say, when Xavier's on the court, he kind of helps our team go, but there have been a few instances where he weren't on the court, and we had to go through Kellen Grady. Kellen Grady willed our team through mm-hmm. LSU, and especially Alabama. Um, he had seven threes, I think, on multiple occasions this year. I mean, what, what was he in the Alabama game? Seven for nine. Seven of nine? That is absurd. He's had... 23 points or more, I think, in three different occasions. That's why he's my MVP, because even when you lose Xavier, you lose Ty Ty, um, you have him on the court, and he could will your team to a win. And even when they are on the court, you still don't want to take him off just because of how valuable he is. No, yeah, for sure. Um, I actually got a question for you. Go for it. What was your favorite game that you attended this year could be home, away, but it's probably going to be home. What was your favorite game? That I attended, my probably, oh, I would say Alabama. Uh, yeah, Alabama was mine too. Tennessee was great. Um, but Tennessee, we didn't even struggle at all. And it was just like, it was fun. And we were just whipping their ass. But Alabama, given the circumstances, the crowd was insane. The start of the first half when we were down like 14. And then that Kellen Grady 3 was the best moment I've ever had as a UK student being in Rupp. It was the loudest I've ever heard it. Um, and I think after that game, I was like, damn. Like, the, obviously, after the Kansas game, I was like, this team's special. But it's like, after that Alabama game, I was like, I love this team more than any team like I've ever watched. And I've seen my Toronto Raptors win that or, uh, NBA title. And I think this team trumps it. Regardless of where they end up finishing in the year, it's just that game was like, damn, I love these group of guys. And you could tell that these guys love each other. I couldn't agree more. I mean, for, from a fan experience, I usually judge games, one, off the outcome, and two, off of like the reaction of the crowd and the energy of the crowd. I mean, Alabama was definitely the most hype it has been all year. It, it is probably, like you said, it was the most hype you've ever heard it. I've said it before on this podcast, it is tied with the Ashton Hagen's breakaway steal and dunk mm-hmm. um, to close out Louisville in overtime a couple of years ago. That's what it's tied with. I mean, I might even put this over the edge. Kellen Grady's tied with Oscar Sheeway is my favorite player on this team. I go back and forth with those two. Um, but for him to take that three and then, I, don't, I think he had like four or five threes that half and just kept getting in the game. And for us to have a top 25 opponent without our point guard, without our other point guard, our neither of our starting point guards, um, 
both out of the game and just to will our way back with Jacob Toppin at the three, Kellen Grady at the point. Um, just an absurd game. So I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was a great year for, I mean, obviously we went undefeated at home, so I loved every moment of it. Yeah, so um, there's only, for this award, sixth man of the year, we only really have two or three <laughs> options. Um, who would you go with? Dave Young. Yeah. That's I'll, really it. it. You can make it a, a case for Jacob Toppin, you know? Yeah. Because um, they do different things. I mean, I feel like Toppin's probably more consistent. Davion could be hit or miss with the shots off the bench. Jacob Toppin does more stuff than just score. But, I mean, when Davion Mintz is going off the bench, I mean, this team's on a different level. And if you don't have Davion on the bench, your bench is four forwards. So yeah. that would absolutely blow. So I think Davion for sure is their sixth man of the year. Um, who won sixth man of the year in the SEC? What was, oh, Terry Eason. Yeah, that's fair. Which I think is warranted. But... Yeah, I think it's Davion. <laughs> yeah, um, what other awards? Freshman of the year? Ty Ty. Ty Ty Easy. Yeah, so again, kind of with an easy, who would, who would be your uh, backup? It's crazy because we don't have any. Like, we don't have many this year. I'd say Damian. Um, the Bryce Hopkins LSU game was awesome. But I feel like Damian has been more consistent over mm-hmm. the year. Like, you know what you're getting from Damian. Bryce, it's like, a roller coaster because like he'll turn the ball over a shit ton, and Damian is just like he sits there and he'll block shots and he'll do his thing. Um, he'll rebound. It's not flashy what he does besides like the dunks that he has, but I think when I'm when he's out there, I'm more like happy to see him than when I see Bryce. I know that yeah. sounds effed up, but like that's just how it is. Yeah, I personally go Bryce. Um, like you said, Damian's more consistent, but I think Bryce. Not single-handedly, but was really instrumental in us winning two different games. Yeah. That was the Ohio game earlier where he brought us from a 10-point deficit um, in the first half. And then there was the LSU game LSU, where, again, we were at like a 10-plus point deficit and he brought us all the way back. Um, probably, if we don't have him for either of those games, I don't know if we win either one. So, for that reason, um, I, I go Bryce as a slight nod for second place. But Tide Washington, easily the first. Um, like I said, maybe the best. Would you say he's the best freshman guard in the country? Ty Ty? Trying to think. I mean, like who? Kennedy Chandler's up there. Kennedy Chandler's good, but I Davison. Like yeah, Davison sucks. Um, nice kid, though. I said hi to him when he waved back me, so I'll put him at number two. No, I'm kidding. Um, just trying to think. Like, I don't. I can't really think of. I, I yeah, I have to say Ty Ty. None's really come in my head. All right, um, that's it for like Kentucky's awards. Um, going into like some more national awards, Player of the Year, Oscar Sheway. Oscar Sheway. Um, I, I feel like we've already explained that enough in this podcast. He should be. If he's not, we will have a half an hour long courtside connect. We will podcast. go to Indianapolis and go to their headquarters, the NCAA headquarters, and we will fucking burn that shit to the ground. <laughs> we're we're going to have a rant podcast if he doesn't win because Ooh. that would be the most absurd thing to have happened of all time. Um, who would be your runner-up, though? Johnny Davis. Um, he's the leading, leading scorer in the nation. And it's not like... Usually when a guy in the NCAA is leading the nation in scoring in some slapdick school in the middle of nowhere, yeah. Wisconsin's a good... I mean, outside of Johnny Davis, they're not a good team. But Johnny Davis makes them a good team. And his scoring cannot be denied. He's averaging like eight rebounds a game, I think, or something like that. So yep. he's doing it on that end too, but it's, it's still Oscar. But shout out Johnny. All right, who is your freshman of the year in all of college basketball? And in my opinion, it's really between two. And I, I think you could probably give it to either of them. 
this is gonna. I'm gonna. Oh, this is gonna be. I'm gonna say Chet, and because Chet has been the best defender in college basketball this year. Not just freshman. Period. Yeah, like period. He has been the best defensive player in college basketball. I don't know if he'll win defensive player of the year, but I think he should. And people are gonna say, "Oh, well, he doesn't play anymore." Shut up. Gonzaga's good. I saw so much Gonzaga slander on the timeline yesterday. I don't know what that's about, but um, it, it's Chet, and I think Jabari is like right underneath him. But Chet, he's also averaging like 14 a game, putting up crazy defensive numbers. Uh, and I think defensively, I'll give just because of his defense, I'll give him the nod over Jabari. So I was talking with um, Michael Beard. I think he's at all mic'd up. I think he was for temporarily the bracket guy on Twitter. Um, he was on this podcast multiple times, good friend of mine. Um, we were talking about Jabari Smith earlier, and he asked a really good question, which I think you can kind of go either way. But not like who is better, who's the better pro prospect, any of that. Who is more important to Auburn? Is it Walker Kessler or Jabari Smith? Like If you take one off, which one hurts their team more? Who is more valuable to their team? I would say Walker Kessler because Jabari doesn't even... Like, Wendell Green is shooting more than Jabari. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Walker Kessler, Auburn's a really good defensive team. And you take Walker Kessler off that team, they're big stink. Like, Dylan Cardwell is not that good. Uh, they're big suck. So, without Walker, without, without Jabari, I think they're, like, a five seed. Um, without Walker, I think they're, like, a six, seven seed. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, I go back and forth. I probably still lean Jabari, and I probably still lean Jabari for freshman of the year. Um, I mean, Wendell Green leads the team in shots, but he's so inefficient. Yeah. Um, and they get shots because you have to double-team Smith, Jabari Smith anytime he touches the ball or looks like he's going to get the ball. Um, just draws so much attention, and he's so efficient scoring. I mean, over 40% from behind the arc, 50% from the field. I think he still holds both of those splits. I'm, I'm sorry if you... He has dropped sense, but, I mean, he makes up for Auburn's terrible, inefficient perimeter scoring with one of the most efficient scorers in the country. Um, Walker Kessler is huge on the boards and interior presence, so it's, it's really, really close, but I, I give the nod for Jabari Smith um, for freshman of the year. Personally, he's also done it against slightly better competition. Um, Auburn kind of has had a cupcake schedule, too, especially playing at home, but... I mean, Jabari Smith on the road. I mean, he forced that Arkansas game in overtime, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a, just crazy three after crazy three. So, I, I give the light nod to Jabari Smith. I'm guessing for sixth man of the year for the country, you're probably not the same answer. It'll be too easy. That, that's what I think. I, He's not really a sixth man, but, like, it's the same thing with, like, Tyler Hero in the NBA. He's going to win sixth man of the year, but yeah. he plays more minutes than starters. But Terry Eason, I mean, by definition, is a sixth man. There's no one better than him coming yeah. off the bench. Way better than Wendell Green, my Wendell opinion. sucks. Um, Coach of the year. Coach of the year. I haven't really thought about this one. I'm going to say Tommy Lloyd. I've seen a lot of Bruce Pearl picks no. as if this dude doesn't have like a stacked roster. Like Jabari Smith was a top five player in high school. Walker Kessler was an all, like McDonald's All-American and one of the most sought-after transfers. And like I knew Auburn would be good. Um, and they returned a lot of guys. Um, but Tommy Lloyd took over a program. He was able to keep Kirk Creesa, Matherin, Coloco. He got them all to stay, and he's turned them into a really, really good team, something that Sean Miller couldn't do. Sean Miller's a good coach, too. 
So the fact that Tommy Lloyd comes in his first year, Arizona is a top four team in the country when healthy. I know, you know, I think Cal is up there in terms of the list. And I know John Rothstein has been pushing a lot for, not for Cal to be coach of the year, but for him to get to, like, his respect. Just because you got talent, like, um, not talent on your team, but he has a bunch of new guys. To get them to all be cohesive and work as a unit is something that's really, really special. So, but... For me, it's Tommy Lloyd, without a doubt. Yeah, um, I look at, I'm really down to two. I think um, Cal definitely deserves a nod, but I mean, he's not going to get it. There is voter fatigue in this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's won it before. I, I don't think he's going to win it this year. So I, I just won't even consider him, especially just for bias reasons. Right. I'm down to one, Mark Adams over at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. That's a team I don't want to play, in, or Texas Tech, I'm sorry. Um, that's a team I do not want to play in the tournament. I mean, really? For I do not want to play them. Um, Chris Beard, for him to leave, take all the top recruits with him, um, leave Texas A and M to really have Texas to. Tech. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm I got an SEC brain to just rebuild Texas Tech. I mean, and make them, in my opinion, a top eight team in the country. I mean, I think they can make a Final Four, um, Elite Eight run. I mean, to do that when your head coach leaves and you just be an assistant coach and step up, I mean, that's huge in my opinion. Um, huge fan of the Beers and Buckets podcast, and uh, they, they've they had a, a Texas Tech guest on, and they've been kind of Texas Tech fans since, and I always listen to them. And I do like th- Tech, yeah. th- They always have a lot of good things. I said Texas Tech the time. They always have a lot of good things good to job. say about Tech. So um, I, I, I kind of like uh, Mark Adams. Um, I also like Scott Drew. I mean, I know they were really good last year, and now they're really good this year. But, I mean, to lose, what did they lose? Two of the best guards in the country? They lost. Three of the best guards in the country? They've dealt with injuries the whole year, too. They've they just, dealt with injuries. You lose Jared Butler. You lose Davion Mitchell. Mason and you, Teague. Yeah, and you come back, and you're a top, Mark I, I think, a top three or four team in the country. They have a chance at a one seed. I mean, after having, it's hard to repeat. I mean, look what happened to our 2013 team. I mean, we didn't even make the tournament. It got bounced in the first round of the NIT after winning in 2012. So for Butler or Baylor to come back, not really seen as like a nationally dominant program that could just keep bringing in new talent and developing every year. For for him doing what he's doing over there, to have a national championship team, lose your core, come back, deal with injuries all year, and potentially still be a one seed and probably the most difficult conference this year in college mm-hmm. basketball... Um, I think that's a huge job. So I'm between Mark Adams, and, Mark Adams and Scott Drew. Um, I'll I'll lean Mark Adams just because I feel like that Baylor was just so good last year. So they're just kind of maintaining where I think to lose Chris Beard and then um, do what you're doing this year at Tech. I think that's super impressive. So I'll, I'll lean Mark Adams. Yeah, and that whole Chris Beard thing. Um... You talk about a guy that, like, as he's leaving your program, he's bad-mouthing them to recruits. Mark Adams is stuck with nothing but transfers from different schools because he has to fill out a roster, and he's taking them to, like, a top 10, top 15 team. Now, with Texas Tech, though, like, I'm not afraid of them because they don't have a point guard, and I think you need a point guard to win. Defensively, they're insane. And if you, you know, read some of the athletic articles, like, Mark Adams, he was the brain behind that Texas Tech defense when they were, like, in the Final Four and all that. And Chris Beard kind of just reaped the benefits from it. And He so, recruited. He got the talent. He, yeah, he and, did recruit. But 
I think Adams for sure is up there. Uh, I'll still go with Tommy Lloyd, but I think it is kind of a funny pattern how whoever is like the first year coach that comes to a new program does like moderately well. Everyone's like that's coach of the year, but Arizona is like a top three team. So I'll that's fair. That's fair. Um, we also on our Twitter we put out our All American first and second teams. Um, I basically took. Scott, your list, um, anyone that was on your first team, I gave them three points. Anyone that was on your second team, I gave them one point. Um, then did the same thing with mine and then totaled it up. There were a, uh, a few tiebreakers, and I kind of just settled them based on positional fit. And we came up um, with our first team. Colin Gillespie was our point guard. Ochai Igbaji was our shooting guard. Small forward, Johnny Davis. Power forward, Keegan Murray. Um... Oscar Shibwe was our center. I mean, we talked about Ochai a lot in this podcast. We talked about Johnny and Oscar a lot in this podcast. Um, I think I had Gillespie higher than you, but I think Keegan Murray was both our starting power forward. So mm-hmm. what, what have you seen from Keegan Murray this year, I guess, just to our college basketball or Kentucky audience that might want to gauge more and to see a team we might see in the tournament. I mean, Iowa could be a 4-5 or five seed in a, a similar region as us, us both being kind of in the Midwest. Um, what what has Keegan Murray done this year? He's been the most efficient scorer in all of college basketball at a very high clip. In Iowa, they're always really good defensively, but they're always bad defensively. But Keegan, Keegan's been really good. In Iowa, that's another team that should not be good because they lost Luca, they lost CJ, they lost Joe yep. Camp, they lost. Um, Another white guy. They lost all the white. I don't know. I like. I don't. I'm not a big Iowa guy, but they lost a lot of their team from last year. And then you have Keegan coming, uh, coming into his own his sophomore year. He's averaging what, like twenty? Let me three points a game. Yeah, something absolutely insane like that. Like, and all on a very efficient numbers too. He's willed. He's like the Johnny Davis, but just from the state next to Wisconsin. They they both carry their teams very very much. Um, so that's what I think if you're carrying your team the way that him and Davis are doing you belong to my first team especially if you're putting up efficient numbers yeah so I think you had Kofi Coburn on your first team yeah I did um, I had Colin Gillespie just, just to kind of keep it more positionally balanced not have um, Keegan Murray as like your three and Oscar and Kofi down low kind of like assembling more of a team yeah. I threw in Colin Gillespie as my point guard um, he's just been the best point guard in college basketball a lot of um, like mock brackets and projections have us as a two seed and Villanova as a three in the East. I mean, if we have to play Villanova in Philadelphia in the Sweet 16, that could be a really tough matchup just to go to the Elite Eight, not even like to win our region. I mean, just to the region semis in the Sweet 16, that could be a very difficult game because of Colin Gillespie. I mean, he has a little bit of help. Jermaine Samuels is a solid player. Justin Moore is having... Um, a better season than some expected, but I mean that team did lose. Um, I forget who went at the draft last year, but they lost their big man and Colin Gillespie. Jerry Robinson era. That's the one. Jerry. Um, and he's coming off of an ACL injury once or some sort of knee injury. And Colin mm-hmm. Gillespie, he's just been the best pure point guard in the country, scoring, shooting the deep ball, um, passing efficiently, playmaking, all of that. I I just I I if I'm starting a team and I need a point guard. He's he's definitely the guy that I want. So um, going into the second team, um, we both had Jaden Ivey at guard. Um, you had Kofi Coburn down low um, as our as our center mm-hmm. for the first team. I moved him to second team just for that positional balance. 
Um, but we had Ivy at the one, Alondis Williams of Wake Forest at the two, Jabari Smith at the three, Chet Holmgren at the four, Kofi Coburn at the five. Um, again, we kind of already talked a lot about Jaden Smith and Chet Holmgren, but can you, for our fan base that doesn't know a little bit about Illinois, what, what could we expect for Kofi Coburn if we see him in the tournament? Well, Oscar's going to absolutely dominate him um, because Kofi has the movement and agility of a semi-truck. And Oscar is pretty fast on his feet. And I'm being dead serious. I'm not even trolling here. So, Hoodie, if you listen to this, you know where I'm at. <laughs> Kofi, Kofi's good. But Kofi against actual competition, like good centers, sucks. Why? Because there's someone that can match up with them. Against Coloco, he struggled. Um, he's just... You just got to kind of frustrate him. And it's hard to keep him out the paint because he's fat as shit and he gets down there. But like against Zach Eady, he struggled. Anyone with the same size... As Kofi and Oscar is a little undersized against him, but Oscar makes up with it defensively. Um, like Kofi is a good player, and Illinois fans will be like, "Oh well, you know he's always getting triple teamed and this, this, and that." Well, dude, because why he's so big, and no one else on your team is that scary. Um, however, he has a good player. You're not trash if you average 21 and 10 or whatever he's doing. Um, so I, I would, I did put him on my first team. Because I like him more than Timmy, and I like him more than any other of the bigs besides Oscar. But if we're doing, if we were to play Illinois and it's Kobe versus Oscar, Oscar's wiping him easily. Another Big Ten talent, Jaden Ivey. Um, what what does he do for Purdue? It's another potential um, Elite Eight matchup. I've seen. All, we're in a lot of regions with Purdue as well. What what does he do? Jaden Ivey produces a lot of athleticism, and I I don't want to sound like a hater because I think. The Big Ten is so loved for really no reason. And players that have, like, athleticism in the Big Ten is a rarity. So people eat that shit up. But Jaden Ivey does carry Purdue at times. And I've always compared him to, like, a Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook can win you a game. He can go absolutely bonkers with his, his, oh my God, with his athleticism. Or he can shoot you out of a game. And sometimes Ivey can do that. He gets to the line at a high clip. But sometimes when he doesn't get calls, he's kind of useless out there. And he does not play a lick of defense either. Yes, yeah, so I had a, um, Alondis Williams in there over at Wake Forest. Um, Wake is probably firmly in the tournament at this point. But, I mean, without him, I mean, I don't even know if they're an NIT team. Um, I, I don't know. Just because the ACC is so weak, maybe Wake Forest is more of a bubble team. But, I mean, Alondis Williams, I mean, does more for his team than maybe anyone else um, in the country. He has 19.3 points, 6.6 rebounds, 5.5 assists, um, shooting 52% from the field. So absurd high numbers at an efficient rate um, without a phenomenal team around him. Also, his coach, Steve Forbes, has me blocked on Twitter. <laughs> um, that That's a real thing. But um, huge... Oh, that's the dude that told Olivier. He was like... Do you really want to get your degree at the University of Kentucky? That's the one. Yeah, what a fraud. That, that's why I tweeted him about it, and he blocked me. And he blocked me. But anyways, Alondis Williams, ACC Player of the Year, obviously. I, I wanted, um, I know the ACC is kind of weak, but there's still a lot of talented players. So to be the best player in the ACC, I am going to give him um, an All-American nod. Um, we talked about Jabari Smith versus Chet Holmgren. Um, Paolo Bancaro and his teammate, or Chet Holmgren's teammate, Drew Timmy, 
were also candidates for us to potentially put in that second team. You chose Chet Holmgren to be in our second team. Why did you do that over his teammate, Drew Timmy, and his um, freshman counterpart, Paolo Bancaro? Because I think Chet impacts the game more than both of those. Timmy is a black hole defensively. And against good competition, he's not good. Um, I'll never forget, Pels had a meme where it was like, Drew Timmy against good competition. It was a picture like of Olivier Saar, and that shit made me laugh. Because it's like, it is kind of true. Drew Timmy, he, he has really good footwork, but when you're playing against like a dude that isn't a 6'5 art student from a no-name school, he's going to struggle because he's just not that big, and defensively he's terrible. Um, and then... Paulo, Paulo's a bucket. Paulo's really, really good, obviously, but defensively he's not that good, um, and he's been playing his not not his stock, but like his play has kind of gone down over time. Um, and I just think Chet impacts the game offensively, defensively more than anyone else in the country. He can guard one through five. Extremely good shot blocker. Um, and like I said, my pick for defensive player of the year. So when you add all that together, I think he just means more to Gonzaga. And that's why he's in my second team. All right, um, rapid fire to close out here. We're gonna go. We got conference tournaments this weekend for the Power Five. Um, who do you have coming out of the Pac-12? Arizona. Completely agree. Um, not much to discuss there. They're by far the best team. Um, Big Ten. Purdue. I actually am gonna go with Iowa. Um, they're in a bracket, I think, with Illinois. Illinois already beat them twice, including a game where I think Illinois won by, like, one point. Um, and Keegan Murray had a bunch of missed free throws down the stretch. So I, I think they're going to come back and want to beat Illinois. They're not going to lose three times in the same season, in my opinion. Um, I think Keegan Murray is a really bad matchup for Purdue. Um, I think defensively they can match up with um, Jay and Ivy and do some things to contain them. So I, I think Iowa is a team that's kind of getting hot late. I personally think they um, will come up with a Big Ten. Um, who else am I missing? ACC. Um, ACC, yeah. Uh, Duke. Yeah, I, I kind of agree there. I think after a pissed-off um, last game, an, unex- an unacceptable, to use Coach K's words, performance to close out the season against North Carolina, they'll they'll run through the ACC. They're going to win the tournament now because of this fucking loss. I already can see it. I don't want to be so mad. Um, Big 12. Texas Tech. I agree with you. I'm glad you're coming on board with the text. Um, I'm not, but fuck Kansas. If, I just don't. I don't know. It, Big 12 is usually weird, so I'll do tech. I'll do it not like. I agree. I, I think Baylor and Kansas both, if one of them don't make it to the championship game, which obviously they both can't if Texas Tech wins it, mm-hmm. um, then I think that's going to open up the one seed line for Kentucky. Um, and in the SEC tournament, um, I, got, I got Kentucky as well. Big East, Big East, probably, I got UConn. Really? I got Nova. I got Nova. I think they'll run it. But, um, you you got Kentucky as well, right? No, I got Auburn. Yeah, of course I got Kentucky. I think, I, we've been talking so much shit on Twitter. We've been talking about way too we see us on our neutral court. This, this, that. You can't get that Auburn whistle in Tampa. You can't get that home whistle in Tampa that... Thompson Bowling Arena whistle in Tampa. We gotta. We actually. I because we'll look like idiots if we lose. <laughs> so, Kentucky, please win this, please. Do you think Auburn makes it to the championship? Who do they? They got Arkansas to worry about, right? And then we got Tennessee to worry about. Yeah. I think they do. 
I think because I do think Auburn's better than Arkansas. Um, I think they do, and I cannot wait to see us beat them by thirty. I've been dreaming about it since we've lost, so I cannot wait for that to happen. There's um a very trendy upset going on in the SEC tournament now. I I actually think I started because I was one of the first people to put on my bracket when it came out, um, and a bunch of people have jumped suit, but um. Vanderbilt, if they win their first matchup against Georgia, which they should, um, in the first day, they will go on to play Alabama. Vanderbilt or Alabama, who do you have? I saw that, and it, I when, when it first came out on Twitter, and I was like, that's that's actually pretty smart. I'll do I'll do Alabama, just because... Devil's advocate. Yeah. But I would not be surprised. If, like, that Vanderbilt team is slept on. Like, they're actually not that bad. Um, in, in March, it's all about which team has better players. Scotty Pippen Jr. is better than any player on Alabama, but everyone else on Vanderbilt kind of sucks, so I think Alabama might edge that one out. Yeah, so either way, I mean, the winner of that game is going to play Kentucky. Um, we're 2-0 and against both teams. Do you, do you worry about playing a team a third time? It's really hard to go 3-0 against a team, especially a team like Alabama that can just get so hot. I think I'm more worried about playing Alabama than I would be playing Tennessee because I just every time I play against Alabama, I'm like, damn, these guys might just cook us and shoot how they did in the first half. Um, Tennessee, I know we're pissed off that we lost, and I don't think, like, Tennessee's, they're trending up, but I still don't think, I'm not sold on them still because they have really bad offensive uh, droughts. But so does Alabama, but I think Alabama can shoot better than Tennessee can. So I think that's why I'm a little bit more afraid to play Alabama than Tennessee. Completely fair. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, Yeah, personal news. I'm a Seahawks fan. Russell Wilson, (laughs) no longer with me. Uh, it's been a rough day. So if you want, follow me on Twitter. That, that, that's the only thing you can do. You can memo me. No, I'm kidding. But follow me on Twitter, at uh, ScottClarkUK. I mean a lot going through it right now. So, But besides that, I think it's been a great episode. DK Metcalf, future bear. Shut the fuck Stop. I cannot <laughs> do this right now. Not today. Um, so, yeah, go follow him on Twitter. Go follow at UKBlueChips on Twitter. Go follow me on Twitter, at MattSackBBN. Go check me out. Um, on catscoverage.com, as well as the rest of our amazing authors on there. If you've listened to this very long episode of ours, um, I said authors. It's totally, that's definitely not the word you used. Bloggers. Um, bloggers, writers, journalists. There we go. Um, if you listen to this whole episode at this point, thank you guys very much. we got a lot of content out for y'all. Busy week with the SC Tournament coming up. Stay tuned for the rest of our episodes. And as always, go Cats. Go Cats. Just need to clear my mind.